When you're a little bird surrounded by larger predators, you need to have a strong support network to fend off the baddies. Just like Flick in A Bug's Life, the least turns have realized that there is true strength in numbers by giving much stronger opponents the business as a group. Turns can turn away even the fiercest of predators. But sometimes, standing your ground is the best way to survive here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I am Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Brian for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at our home on the web at ldtaxonomy.com. And today we're talking about the most direct path imaginable. But more on that later. Yes, the fewest number of degrees. <laughs> yeah. But what does that mean? I said more on that later, but more on that now. <laughs> because we're talking about the least turn. It's not T-U-R-N, it's T-E-R-N. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a method of surveillance. You don't turn... You, you just follow with your eyes just scan scan yeah it's a bird a turn is a bird turn is the word and turn is the bird and the turn was with bird <laughs> yeah uh this was a recommendation from becca uh from from work oh okay thank you for recommending this becca she's a an avid animal lover and uh, sometimes send some good ideas uh, my way. So this is this is one we picked up. Have we done the puma yet? Like that's her favorite, right? Uh, her favorite is the Florida panther. Yeah. And we have not done that yet. No. Oh. There's not a ton of um, it, like information about them in the wild because they're so difficult to study. Interesting. But well. yeah, we should probably pick that up for sure but we're gonna it's called the least turn but that is a weird thing to call an animal so instead we're gonna call it here crass hysteria the maverick moblin <laughs> the feathered rude boy the dung defender and twitter twitter good yeah for reasons I'll explain later would you like to know what and not just because it's a bird calls it Yes. Science, the scientific method itself, calls it kingdom, animalia, phylum, chordata. The class is Aves, you know this. Mm-hmm. The order is, oh, C-H, is that a K? It could be a K, a Ch, or a Sh, like charades. <laughs> Charadoria formies. <laughs> Charadre formies or or charadre formies or carad carade forms. Well, let's see what the lady in my the, the, in the lady computer in my... says. You have a lady trapped Ca in your computer. Carriage right? reforms. 
carriage reforms. Carriage reforms, yeah. She doesn't even pronounce the E at the end? It's no. Latin. Carriage reformies? Sure. Carriage reformies? Because <laughs> um, there's two eyes. Uh, then the family is Laridae. A lot easier to say. Mm-hmm. The genus is Sternula. And then the the species is Antilarium. Sternula Antilarium. I'm putting in an I. There's no I. There's no I in Antilarium, except for there's one. You'd be forgiven. Sometimes (laughs) it's... Is it Reptilia or Reptilla? Who knows? Nobody knows. But yeah. Sternula Antilarum. It seems but like to, we're not in the business of naming things, so let's. I, um, sorry, I'm just I'm just staring at my <laughs> my audacity. To make sure it doesn't stop. Um, since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show. Cue the music. Critter groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question. And the question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal? What is the term of veterinary? Or what is the collective noun? It's all the same. And I love doing birds because there's always... The or- ornithographers have all kinds of fun names for groups of birds. Uh, and... And so there, there is a specific one for terns. So, Joe, if you saw a group of terns doing what they do in the major back, would you call it A, a committee of terns, B, a round of terns, C, a shanty of terns? <laughs> Just... Uh, D or D a picketing of turns. A picketing, a shanty, mm-hmm. a what? A round and a committee going up. Now I don't know what they do in the major fact because I don't know what the major fact is. Oh, I didn't put that in the our our communal sheet. This will be a surprise, but it okay. sounds like whatever you're saying is has to do with them being in a community. And I don't have anything on that, so I think we're good. Um, man, I their... want it to be shanty, but I don't think it's shanty. I guess I guess I'll go with picketing. Final answer? Yes. Incorrect. The answer Yikes. was committee. Committee. It's a committee of turns. I've also heard them. You know, people say they're they live in colonies too. Should have went. You know, you know, it's pretty adjacent. Committee, colony. It just, like, as I was reading it, it occurred to me that um, I put shanty at C, so sea shanty. That's why <laughs> yeah. I was laughing. Oh. I was like, that was a sea shanty. But a, a shanty is a good... What do you do with a drunken sailor? That was a good one. That would be that would be an actual good one for a seabird. Yeah. This would be pretty good. A, sh- a shanty of, like albatrosses or something like that yeah i hope so. i hope that's real so somehow some way would you like to know what this thing looks like yes uh least so. turns are white gray and black seabirds that always wear a hat and sunglasses you know keep keep you know keep yourself protected from the sun in, in, in fact it's the opposite they're attracting sunlight 
to those black mm-hmm. uh, tops of their heads that connect to a black bandit mask that covers their eyes uh, and leaves a white space on their forehead. And that is a telltale little feature. If you're looking for least turns and you're, you see just a sea of seabirds, then that signature white forehead tells you it's a turn. At least That's turn. A sea of seabirds on the sea selling seashells for Sandy's also selling seabirds seashells. Exactly. That went, um, that went really well. That, yeah, <laughs> you got through it. They have um, gray on their backs and on the tops of their wings and black wing tips. They have yellow feet and yellow beaks, but there's a slight black tip to the beaks. They stand completely horizontal, so that's another unique feature. A lot of seabirds, like seagulls, kind of do this too, where they're not upright, kind of like uh, you, you see birds of prey and crows kind of stand that way, perched. Mm-hmm. But these guys, are their bodies are horizontal, almost like a duck. Must be a water thing. You're yeah. evenly weighted so you can be buoyant. Yeah, allows them to rest on the water, keeping their their heads above it. Uh, so in flight, you can see the sharp features of their pointed wings. Their tail feathers also come to two points, like the rock and roll hand sign kind of looks like that. Where on each, the, the devil hand sign. Yeah. On, on each, like if you take your palm and put your, your two center fingers down, uh, there's two, um, protrusions. It's the go, go, it's the go web go sign. Yes. Go web go. Although when he says go up, go, he's not doing the one that works, right? So it might not. It's just the spider. No, no. It's, it's the one where he's doing the, the, the devil horns. Oh, and he's forward. Oh, yeah, yeah, And then he flicks it a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh, chicks are fuzzy gray and white dust bunnies <laughs> with black specks on their beaks. Uh, on their backs. Not on their beaks. But since we are talking about what they look like. They are quite small for a seabird. They are the least. They are the least. So let's talk about how least they beast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you. When you send in an audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering, the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week, which means it has to be introduced by an aminol. And that doesn't know what it's doing. An am an aminol? Yeah. An inanimate an aminol? No, an animate animal. An anemone isn't is an is an, is not an inanimate animal. <laughs> Goodness. We're all about the tongue twisters today. It's a tongue twister at least, episode. At least I am. All right, bring it on. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. So there's two sounds there, and I think they're both yep. coming from the same animal. One is, uh, it kind of sounds like... Um, cards in a bicycle wheel and the other is like your typical bird screech 
Oh, so, I was hearing the um, a morning dove coup. Oh yeah, the there's also that. It's not the morning dove. Okay, Look, that was going to be a huge. That your your hint like oh there's two sounds in here and I think they're from the same animal. I was like oh morning dove answer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know morning doves can make that kind of screech, but I guess they can. <clears throat> so is it a a moorhen? B an American kestrel. C an Arctic skua. Or D a windchat. All birds. Boy, I don't know. But they're know very different hen- kinds of birds. <laughs> a moorhen is like a little fowl. A kestrel is a bird of prey. A small bird of prey. Arctic skua, I think that's like a seabird. And then the wind chat, I forget what the wind chat. I think it's like a robin looking thing. Looks kind of like a robin, but it's an I'm African gonna- and Asian I'm going to go ahead and rule out the Arctic one because I did hear a morning dove in there and I'm pretty sure doves don't hang out in the uh, in the Arctic. That's a pretty um, good deduction. Moorhen is probably pr- pretty good. It kind of sounded like that kind of sounded like a bird of prey screech so it could be a kestrel. I'm between those first two. I'm going to go with kestrel. Kestrel final answer. Yes. That is correct. Nice. A moorhen, I've seen these around. If you like go like take a walk by a lake and around here, you can see these little guys wading in the water. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I thought these were scops. Maybe that they're called that as well. They're they're close relatives of coots. Yes. But let's get into wingspan. They're 50 centimeters to, which is 20 inches or thereabouts. How many wingspans was the longest ever flight in an airplane through a tunnel? A tunnel being a ground tunnel that cars usually go through. Someone flew an airplane through a tunnel? Yeah. Here's a hint. The Italian daredevil Dario Costa. Great name for a daredevil. Dario like Costa, it, yeah. It sounds like a most interesting man in the world name. Yeah, but it doesn't sound made up like Evil Knievel. But Dario Costa also sounds like a motorist name, like a race car driver, like trick pilot. Great name for for what he is. Uh, <laughs> he flew his plane through a tunnel in Istanbul, achieving the record for the longest tunnel flight ever. Uh, I'd say half a mile. That sounds about right i guess i mean there's some long tunnels he flies plane from london to paris all the way underneath the english channel but i don't think it was that long maybe it was still i'm gonna go with half a mile which is about 2600 feet and what was this what was the size of the wingspan again um 20 inches 50 centimeters i'm gonna say oh wow this is probably definitely gonna be wrong but we'll go with it 1,560 wingspans of this bird going answer. the length of this tunnel they flew through. Yep. You're half right uh, and thus full wrong. They are... I got second place. 3,460 wingspans. The tunnel was 1,730 1, meters or 5,675 feet. So 
If I'd gone with a full mile, I would have been really close. Yeah, yeah. Let's wow, that, talk. that's impressive. Yeah, that's a like you. I on our LDT Facebook page, I now follow the Guinness Book because we talk about Guinness so much and records that I saw the video of it and the the way the video is cut, it's like a fast cut Facebook video. And he just goes through it and it's quickly, but you're spending a good amount of time in that tunnel flying Where, for like, a mile. Anything could, any tiny deviation could get you killed. You're right. But also like, I imagine the winds in a tunnel are also really unpredictable for a little plane. True. True. Wow. Or, or maybe they're super predictable. Who knows? Maybe, but I would imagine like wind whipping through it at different speeds would send you up a little bit, down a little bit. Yeah, that's terrifying. I'll never do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk weight. They're 39 to 52 grams or 1.4 to 1.8 ounces. So how many least current least turns go into the mass of the Earth's core? Why? <laughs> Whenever an Whenever something is like very like not from a specific area, I gotta go to space. But you're doing the opposite of going to space. True. But the reason that I that they know this comes from space. So here's a hint. They figured out the weight of the Earth and its core by studying a mysterious particle from space called neutrinos. Are you familiar with neutrinos? They're uh, all the rage delicious. in science. There should be like a science-based cereal for kids called Neutrinos. Neutrinos. Also, uh, I love the childish Neutrinos uh, rap rap music songs. Oh my gosh. Uh, so these particles are both tiny and invisible, but they crash down into and through the Earth all the time. It's estimated that around 50 trillion neutrinos from the sun crash through your body every second. I hate it. They are also able to pass through the earth, like straight through it. They don't interact with light and they're barely touched by gravity, but huge massive objects like planets can cause them to interact with other particles. So there's a place in Antarctica called the Ice Cube Neutrino Observatory. And it's called the Ice Cube because it's in Antarctica and it's it's cube-shaped. And and because Ice Cube is the only one allowed to operate the machinery. Yes, he's the director. Uh, Probably not. They can... Probably not, you're right. uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm not, not, you know, all-knowing. I don't know for a fact that he's not, but he's probably not. Uh, So this observatory can... can detect neutrinos that pass through the earth like as in at the pole at the north pole all the way to the antarctica um so theoretically more massive the more massive the earth is the fewer neutrinos will make it through so there's a lot more to it i'm sure but that's all i need to know to know that that's how they calculated the earth's core mass all right i'm gonna say four quadrillion that's my answer quadrillion of these birds would make up the earth's core the weight Uh, of a hail mary 
Yep, absolutely hail mary. No, there's there's no uh, estimation or critical thinking happening here. Okay. Because there's no way I'm gonna be able to even get close. I have no no base to start from. Final answer. Yep. It's fifty two point three septillion oh. least turns. The core is six septillion pounds or two point seven two kilograms. That was a Hail Mary pass that I mean, went like twenty yards. T- t- kilograms. I mean two point seven two septillion kilograms, I think I meant to say. That's a lot. It's a big, big number. With lots and lots of digits. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, we, yeah. And, and we could play football. Yeah. With the Hail Mary pass I just made. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not the wrongest you've ever been, but it's like up there. It's among, it's like top 10 probably. Pro- yes. And it's all your fault. <clears throat> uh, would you like to hear some fast facts before we get into the major fact? Yep. So least turns are seabirds, but they're smaller than their average kin. Um they're beach kin. They like to eat small bait fish, crustaceans, and sometimes they eat insects. But uh, they said that the insects were associated with El Ninos. So, for whatever reason, they like to eat bugs when the weather is different. Uh, least turns <laughs> hunt by diving into tidal water or calm water to catch small fish close to the surface. They migrate back and forth between North and South America. They breed and nest in the spring and summer on North American coasts, uh, both both coasts, and they head down for uh, the fall and winter. They head down to South America. So they tend to nest close to one another, and they just lay eggs and small indentations in the sand, burrowing owls, gull bill terns, and American kestrels. Often disturb their nest. Hmm. That's where you got it. Other birds, including cats, other birds, other <laughs> <laughs> other predators, including cats, coyotes, bobcats, feral dogs, great blue herons, and other birds of prey, also predate upon them. As a whole, least terns are of least concern when they. When it comes to conversa- conversa- con- conservation, um, but there are a few subspecies that are considered threatened at the state level, and the California least tern was listed as an endangered species in 1972. Their main threat is habitation loss because they just deposit their little eggs on the sand. So you build a nice little condominium or a resort on the beach and they lose some of their nesting grounds. Makes sense. It does. But it's all I got. All right. The major fact for this episode is called Ants Don't Serve Grasshoppers. (laughs) They serve uncles. (laughs) That's super misogynistic of you. Um, I mean, the grasshoppers were bad guys. What can I tell you? <laughs> um, so when you're a little bird in a big world, you can't just rely on your own chutzpah to get by. You need a crew. 
that is willing to go the extra mile on your feet. I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, Got to get the phlegm in there if you if you want to speak uh, German, Arabic, or Yiddish. But your, your crew needs to be willing to go the extra mile on your behalf or just because you said so. Uh, when it comes to fight, flight, or freeze, which what is what animals and people employ when they're under th- when they encounter a threat you'd think that flight would be option numero uno for a bird uh but turns have figured out that there is strength in numbers hence the ants don't serve grasshoppers thing so if you're a predator or just an intruder uh things can easily take a turn for the worst <laughs> in fact if you even look like you could be a problem, prepare to feel the turn. That's two in a row. I'm done. Um, <laughs> t- turns use a defensive tactic called mobbing to handle these kinds of threats. And as I was writing this, it occurred to me that um, like the mafia, like extortion-focused organized crime, is called the mob. Uh, but their whole thing is that they're discreet and organized, which is, which, those are two things I do not associate with like a mob, an actual mob. It's just an odd thing I was thinking about. It's like, how, how is the mafia, the mob, and then also like Occupy Wall Street, a mob? I don't know. I'm sure there's some etymological reason for that. Or, or organization just is, is um, the key differentiating thing. Anyway. Um, so mobbing for birds mostly involves sounding an alarm and then flying at and around an intruder, uh, to harass them until they go away. So a bunch of turns will dive bomb the threat, scratching and pecking when they can. Um, though specifically least, least turns tend to avoid making contact. They kind of just swoop in and intimidate. And since, uh, most predators that prey on birds like, uh, the ones you were mentioning, cats, uh, small mammals, owls, raptors, uh, herons, things like that. Um, since they rely, on, tend to rely on stealthy or speedy ambushes when they're uh, predating on things, having a bunch of birds cawing and flying around you can really put a damper on your little blitzkrieg that you got going on. Um, so... Also, a bunch of turns mobbing a target will often in, encourage other species of birds to join in. And since uh, that's because turns are far from the only birds to engage in this kind of behavior. Um, so, and, and actually the ones that do it the most often are crows. Uh, but seabirds, like turns and gulls, have it down to a science. They're, they're very effective. Um, but it can go, it can get out of hand. Uh, because in fact, birds with a tendency to mob will join in on the fun just because everyone else is doing it. They may not even know what the threat is. They may just start mobbing whatever is happening. And uh, that's why a bunch of birds will sometimes mob like a statue or a passerby or a conservative on Twitter. Is that why you called it Twitter? Yeah, I, call, I called it Twitter because it not only does it have to do with birds, but also it's just like a feeding frenzy. <laughs> like, it's like buying loads of toilet paper last year. 
Like just what one person sounded the alarm and then just everyone just went bananas. Not really no, even they, knowing what was going on. They they went they didn't go bananas, they went like poultry and beef and uh and then toilet paper. <laughs> but the toilet paper logic will wrap will will we'll tie into this even going forward. Um so if you've ever seen so you can see you actually see mobbing probably pretty often if you've ever seen a hawk or something being chased by five or six blackbirds you've seen mobbing happening um it's just basically smaller smaller birds taking on a much larger bird by harassing it but um like i said seafaring birds like gulls field fares and uh terns have the most effective strategies and they're often the they mob in the greatest numbers um and they're also really loud and so you might think that these mobsters are putting themselves in danger you just think like i I remember like sometimes when i'd when i'd see um these situations where like a hawk or an eagle was getting chased by a bunch of tiny little birds i was like just turn around and kill them they're right there like they don't really pose a threat to you but animals in general and predators included tend to avoid fights specifically when it comes to food not so much when it comes to mating but when it comes to getting a meal fighting something is not really a good idea because you have to get meals a lot every day for most animals and if it had to be a fight every time it would there wouldn't be a lot of those animals left unless you're like a big prey animal predator that that's pretty much the only recourse you have because you need big prey yeah but even then they do everything they can to reduce the amount of fight that they'd have to go through uh it's it's not the like a a a lion doesn't you know want to want a fair fight with a you know a gazelle or something like that it's very true ambush break the neck let's let's get this over with um and lions are known for inhumane killing methods so uh just listen to our lion episode uh so if it looks like a predator will either not be able to get its prey possibly lose an eye or something like that or if it'll just be more of a hassle than usual a predator will probably be pretty likely to just leave and find an easier target um, so, the, but the real thing that sets gulls and turns apart from other mobbing birds is the common tactic of actually just pooping on the predator. Just flying over them and just giving them the squirts. Oh my gosh. Which is why toilet paper logic isn't a bad idea. So, like, we always think about birds doing stuff like that intentionally dive bombing but in the back of my mind i was like they don't know what they're doing they're just going yeah they just poop whenever they have to but nope they will they'll save it up just for special occasions my goodness so yeah and and when it comes to mobbing other birds like um, birds of prey and things like that uh it can get to the point where they can't even fly anymore they're grounded because of how much poop they have on them Oh my god. <laughs> so it's pretty effective, I have to say. And because 
it's it's tough to think of a species of bird that does more pooping than gulls and turns and things like that then uh i can see how just it, it it would be like an owl flying in like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna snatch a quick meal and then suddenly looking like it was dipped in wax oh my gosh although i haven't I, uh, that's not the case it's like it's uh, i'm that that's hyperbole uh i haven't seen any pictures of a bird just being <laughs> like just un- unrecognizable but it does like gum up their their feathers and uh increase their weight to the point where they can't fly until they get it um washed off or something yeah i mean flight is a delicate procedure yeah so just you know barely changing anything about the physics can make it really difficult for birds to fly and having a dozens of birds poop on you will definitely change your physics up a little bit <laughs> and you're just your morale yeah you may not even want to fly anymore really it's like i just want to like nap get this out <laughs> Get out of my system. Once definitely need a up, shower. Once I clean up, I have to like recover mentally. Yeah, I need a. You're gonna need a little bit of therapy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, possibly a career change. <laughs> I'd say just going, just branching off and striking off in a completely different direction. If you've been uh, pooped on excessively to the point where you can't even do your primary function. <laughs> but that's all I got for the uh, the least turn. That's all I got. All right. So, for you out there in podcasting, keep a paranoid eye out for threats, stick with your tribe, and viciously attack whatever anyone else is attacking, like the least turn here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores slash taxonomy tees. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. podcast. <laughs> Dang, that was very topical. <laughs> <laughs>